Hey, welcome to part two of our series, Drained. I'm so glad you are a part. If you haven't done so yet, let me encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, and also turn the bell on while you're there. That way you won't miss any of the content whenever we release it from Forest Park. All right, this is part two of our series, Drained. Let's jump into it. I begin today with a confession. For years, I struggled with a short list of particular behaviors falling far short of anything resembling Jesus. That's a polite way of saying, for a long time, I sinned a lot. And what made it worse is the sinful behaviors were not a little bit every now and then, they were a lot all the time. And being raised in the kind of home in which I was raised, conservative, with a view toward avoiding any and all influence of the world, and being conditioned by the kind of religion by which I was conditioned, a quest for holiness and a pursuit of personal purity, my private struggles with sinful behaviors left me feeling discouraged, shamed, hypocritical, and afraid. When mixed with my already melancholy personality, it is no wonder I was persistently pessimistic and depressed. I felt like a walking failure all the time. I prayed, I cried, I punished myself, I read books, I asked questions, I prayed some more. I was miserable. There were times when I wondered if something was seriously wrong with me. Maybe I was abnormal, maybe I was irreparable, maybe I was beyond help. I wonder if I had what it took to enter into ministry or if my character issues would take me out early. This internal conflict raged for years. I lost sleep, I couldn't eat, I suffered depression, I doubted my calling, I was rude, irritable, short-tempered, I was miserable. Here's what I know about some of you. You have nasty stuff going on in the background of your lives. There are some destructive behaviors eating your lunch day after day. Those behaviors are in control, not you. And this pandemic, the stress of not knowing what's happening, wearing masks, staying home, churches and businesses canceling, washing hands, homeschooling, postponing vacations, rising anxieties, has inflamed your character issues, your behaviors, your sins, your failures. Some of you now are feeding addictions every day, and slowly those things are getting the best of you, stealing your joy, robbing your peace, crashing and burning your confidence, your creativity, passion, excitement. You're just not the same person as you were several months ago. A few of you aren't introverted. You're addicted. And the guilt and anxiety caused by the addiction causes you to appear shy, reserved, introverted. It's not shyness. It's shame. You're emotionally and spiritually drained. You have little to no energy, little to no passion for work, church, scripture, exercise, you name it. Feeding addictions, whether public or private, whether accepted or loathed by society, empties you of the best of you. And there is little you think you can do about it. The drinking, the smoking, the cussing, the angry episodes, the gossiping, the flirting, the sexting, the porn, the affair, the whatever has a tighter grip on you than ever before. And before you check out or get upset with me and think I'm here to condemn or lift myself up higher than you, hear me out. I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you're depraved. I don't think you're dirty or wicked or evil. You certainly might do some depraved things. 
you might engage in wicked thoughts or immoral behaviors, but I don't think you are a dirty, wicked, or evil person. Contrary to how you see yourself, I think you're a beautiful person. You are a loved person. You are a gifted person. You might be addicted. You might be deceived. You might be bruised and broken. You might sin against yourself and others and God, but you are an incredibly loved man or woman with infinite worth and value. And you and I are similar. Most of the things you've done or thought about doing, I've done or thought about doing. It's part of being a person. And we persons look to whomever and whatever will please us, accept us, value us, heal us, make us feel loved. And because we do, some of us got ourselves into a mess. And this pandemic only increased the grip. Just this past week, I was reading some interesting statistics. Across our nation, we're drinking more. In fact, drinking is up by 14% overall. Here's something interesting, 41% increase in heavy drinking by women. We're also eating more. Eating disorders are escalating. You've heard of the quarantine 15? That means we've gained 15 pounds on average uh, since the quarantine began. For some of us, that's lowballing it. Also, our anger is getting the best of us. Domestic abuse is up all around the world, including child abuse, and our lust is burning hot. Porn use is up everywhere, about 22% increase. None of that is said to make anybody feel shamed, embarrassed, condemned. It is said to show we are in this together and to say your issue might not be my issue and vice versa. And all of this drains us. Some of you husbands are drained because your wives are drinking way too much during this pandemic. Some of you wives are drained because your husbands are losing control of their anger again and again. Some of you are drained because you keep feeding your appetite. You've gained weight, you feel guilty, ugly, yet you're still hungry. Some of you are ashamed because no matter what you look at or what you do, you're still sexually unfulfilled. Uncontrolled or destructive behaviors, sins for the church people among us, drain us, empty us, leave us a mere shell of who we are. So how about some good news? Let's get to it. In Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24, there is a well-known story about Jesus encountering a father who has a son who is suffering from an illness. Everything has been done to bring relief to the boy and nothing has worked. The father approaches Jesus and asks him to intervene. Jesus inquires of the father as to how long this has been going on. Since he was a child, the father said. Then the father says something that must have come across a little offensively to Jesus. The father said, if you can help us, then help us. Come on. That is exactly like some of us. How long has your issue been going on? A long time. For some of us, our whole lives. And everything has gotten worse during the pandemic. And now your attitude is, if you can help me, Jesus, then help me. There's a desperation in your prayers. There's a desperation in your cry. And I know it must have come across a little brash to Jesus because of how Jesus responds. He looks at the Father and basically says, if I can help you, anything is possible to those who have faith. Jesus responded with a slight emphasis on if. In other words, what do you mean, if? And I love the response from the Father. Here's what he says back to Jesus. I have faith, 
help my lack of faith. Or as another translation words it, I believe, but help my unbelief. I love that. Why? Because the Father is honest. He's transparent. I believe, but not completely. I have faith, but not a lot. You know what that tells me? That tells me getting from where you are to where you ought to be takes some of us longer than others. In other words, I gained a little ground, the Father says, but I still got a way to go. I'm on my way, Jesus, but I'm not there yet. That's where some of us are right now. We were doing pretty good before the pandemic. Now, not so much. Another incident in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch and heal him. Taking the blind man's hand, Jesus led him out of the village. After spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on the man, a very peculiar incident here, he spit on the ground, mixed in some mud, rubbed it on his eyes, and then he asked the man this question, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees, only they are walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. Notice that word, again. He looked with his eyes wide open, his sight was restored, and he could see everything clearly. Here's another example of honesty and transparency. After Jesus prayed for him and said, can you see? The man says, I, I can see, but not entirely. I, ha I have some clarity, but some things remain blurry. Not all of us will see clearly the first time. Not all of us will gain self-control needed like other people get. And we need an again encounter with Jesus. You know the come to Jesus meeting people talk about? Some of us need a come to Jesus meeting again. Some of us need again and again. Listen to me. Following Jesus is a process. Be honest. You love Jesus, but you cuss a little. You love Jesus, but you still sometimes drink too much. You love Jesus, but porn still seems fun. You have faith, but not a lot. You can see your eyes are open, but some things are still blurry. You battle depression. You still fight with anger. You still fall short. And I know a few of you are afraid to admit you're in a mess. You are embarrassed to confess this pandemic has kicked your behind. It has set you back. You're drinking again, smoking again, texting her again, eating too much again, gossiping again, blowing up again. And you're struggling because you think, I should be much further down the road now. I should be much further down the good moral pathway. And you've allowed your fears and your doubts to stop you. You're drained. Here's where the news gets even better. Matthew 11. This is our theme passage for this series. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Know this. You cannot ever, not in a million million years, overstate, exaggerate, make too much of, or over-celebrate the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. 
You will never exhaust his supply. You will never scrape the bottom, tax the resources, tilt the scales, no matter the sin, the amount, or the frequency. Dane Ortland writes these words. When Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. Wow. In the Old Testament, there were categories of clean and unclean. This had to do not with hygiene, but with moral purity. Now, this is interesting. If an unclean person came into contact with a clean person, the clean person became unclean. And then, in order for the unclean person to become clean again, a series of rituals and offerings were required. This is what makes Jesus so fascinating, so captivating to me. Jesus, the cleanest, purest, most righteous person to ever walk the earth. We cannot even fathom how unpolluted he was, how uncontaminated. We have never met anyone who was not corrupted to some degree. When Jesus looked at people, their sins were exposed. That's how pure he was. And they felt the weight of the impurities of character. He was spotless, blazingly chaste. So what did he do when he encountered an unclean person? How did he respond to lepers and prostitutes, the most unclean people of his society? Just touching them would have made him ceremonially unclean. How did he respond? He moved toward them. He talked with them, engaged them, touched them. Pity flooded his heart. Compassion overran his soul. He would hug them, eat with them, laugh with them, value them. And what's so beautiful about these encounters is when Jesus would touch unclean people, it didn't result in him becoming unclean, but rather it resulted in them becoming clean. That's how pure he was. That's how life-giving was his presence. Jesus was on a mission to rehumanize the dehumanized, clean the unclean, wash the unwashed, refill the empty, replenish the drained. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who touched the lepers touches you. The same Jesus who lifted the woman caught in the act of adultery lifts you. The same Jesus who stood at the tomb of Lazarus and raised the dead man from the grave is the same Jesus who stands at the tomb of your dead faith, dead mind, and dead future and speaks life. But Scott, I'm so wishy-washy. My faith is strong one day and not the next. I, I, I feel empowered one weekend and then totally defeated the next weekend. Sometimes I understand Christianity and other times I'm so confused. I know I should be further down the road and stronger in my faith and more solid in character, but I'm not. And this quarantine really did a number on my faith and on my spiritual walk. I'm at a loss in some areas. I understand. I do. And believe it or not, there are times when I feel exactly like you. Sure, the details are different and maybe my ups and downs aren't as severe, but I've been on this road much longer than you, and I still struggle. And Jesus is okay with strugglers. He's okay with sinners and sufferers. 
He's okay with your questions, with your processes, with you taking a few steps forward and a few steps backward. He is infinitely patient with you. Let's look at one more passage, and then we're going to close down. This is just a few days after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. This incident occurs in Luke 24, 13 through 32. Let me just tell you the story. Two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had just happened, the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. He said, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, looked at Jesus with discouraged faces and said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who's unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, all the things about Jesus of Nazareth. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. Now we're not so sure. <laughs> then Jesus opened up the Old Testament scriptures for them, explained prophecy and all the events that transpired from his birth to his life and teachings to his death and resurrection. Afterwards, the story tells us their eyes were opened and they recognized that the one who was walking with them was Jesus. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road? and when he explained the scriptures for us. You know what this tells me? This tells me Jesus doesn't run from those who are confused and those who have questions. No, he walks with us in the questions. He walks with us in the confusion. He walks with us, guiding us, teaching us, healing us, opening our eyes to the truth, setting us free. And he's walking with us through this pandemic. He never runs from sinners and sufferers. He never leaves those of us who are drained to ourselves. He walks toward us. He meets us in our emptiness, and he fills us with himself. Once again, come, all who are tired and weary. Come, all who are discouraged and down. Come, all of you who are just beat up from everything that's been going on in you and around you. Come to Jesus and receive rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message today. There are some of us who are so discouraged. Not only are we discouraged about the things going on around us, but we're discouraged because of the things going on inside us. And Father, we've got sins and we've got habits and addictions and some of us have been doing pretty well and then all the stress of the pandemic and all the closures and all the job issues and the economy, it's just caused us to retreat and to go back into some old junk again. And we're in a mess. But your word tells us, your truth tells us that if we will come to you just like we are, even though we're tired and exhausted, you will give us rest. Father, here we are. We are tired, we are worn out, we are heavy burdened, and we are presenting ourselves to you. And we're asking you to lift the yoke, lift the burden, and give us the rest of our souls that we need. Everything we need is found in Jesus. And we lay ourselves down at his feet and say, Jesus, we need rest. And we ask these things 
In the name of the one who gives rest to every tired soul, Jesus, we pray. Amen.